Chapter 2 I hear sirens, I said urgently. I hear them too, Rachel snapped. I have ears the size of quilts. You think I can't hear them? I'm morphing as fast as I can. I just hope it's real coughs, not controllers. We had reached a patch of woods behind Deal and Dan's car dealership. It was really just a few scruffy trees between the car place and a convenience store. I watched from a low tree branch as Rachel morphed back to human again. If you've never seen someone morph, you have no idea just how incredibly weird it is. When she began, she was a full-grown African elephant, ten feet tall, almost twice that from head to tail. She weighed at least 6,000 pounds. I say at least, because we've never exactly tried to stick her on the bathroom scale. She had two curved tusks, each about as long as a child, and a trunk that dragged the ground when she walked and could pick up a big, slashing, yelling, dangerously angry hork warrior and throw him twenty feet. I'd seen her do it. Tobias, you could at least have waited till he was done broadcasting that commercial. Thousands of people saw that on TV! Thousands! Most people will figure it was some kind of a stunt or a trick, I said. Most people, maybe, but not controllers. Any controllers who happen to be watching will guess right away that we were not just animals. Controllers. There's a word you need to know. A controller is anyone with a yerk in his head. Yerks are alien parasites. They are evil little slugs who live in the bodies of other species and enslave them. All the hork are controllers. So are the Taxons. So are more and more humans. Human controllers. As I watched, Rachel began to shrink. The ropey tail was sucked up like a piece of spaghetti. Her trunk grew smaller. Blonde hair began to sprout from her massive gray forehead. Her eyes wandered across her face toward the middle. The vast leathery ears became pink and small and perfectly formed. The others are going to ream us out big time, aren't they? I said. Oh, yes. I think we can count on that. It was my idea. I'll take the blame. Oh, shut up, Tobias. Stop being all noble. Besides, it was amazing fun stomping those cars. She was small enough now that she could stand on her hind legs. As she did, her front legs grew smooth and human. Her back legs lost their clunkiness and became her own long, cultish legs. Her morphing clothes, a skin-tight black leotard, emerged. The tusks slooped back into her mouth and divided into sparkling teeth. She was a very pretty girl, beautiful even, except that she still had a two-foot-long gray nose. At last the trunk seemed to roll up and become a regular nose. She was a girl again, barefoot because no one had figured out how to morph shoes. Her mouth was back to normal. She spoke in her normal voice, no longer in my head. Thought speech is only for morphs. Okay, I'm back. Let's bail. The siren sounds were coming ever closer. Head for the convenience store. I'll go up and look around. I hope they have some flip-flops for sale in there, Rachel grumbled. This shoe situation is a pain. The elephant was gone. The girl had emerged. See, I told you it would be hard to believe. It began at a deserted construction site, when we found the crashed spaceship of an Andalite prince. He was the last surviving Andalite in our solar system. He and his fellow Andalites had fought a great battle to drive away the Yerk mothership. 
they fought and lost. And now the Yerks are among us, and they are now trying to enslave the human race. Before he died at the hands of the Yerk leader, a terrible creature called Visser III, the Andalite gave us a great gift and a great curse. The gift was the power to morph, to absorb the DNA of any living animal, and to become that animal. Never before had anyone but the Andalites themselves been given the power to morph. It meant a life of secrets, of terrible danger. The Yerks think we are a small band of escaped Andalites. They know that Morphs had attacked their Yerk pool. They know that Morphs had even infiltrated the home of one of their most important controllers, Chapman. But they don't know that we are just five normal human kids who'd been walking home from the mall one night. Visser Three wants us caught or dead. Visser Three usually gets what he wants. But I was glad to fight the Yerks. Maybe I just had less to lose than the others. Or maybe something about the lonely, defeated, yet courageous Andalite prince touched me so deeply that I could never regret fighting to settle the score. But there has been a price to pay. You see, there was a limit on the power to morph. You must never remain in a morph for more than two hours. If you do, you are trapped. Forever. And that is the curse of the Andalite's gift. That is why, when Rachel returned to her human body, I didn't. It would take Rachel a while to get home on the bus. I traveled a little faster, so I had time to waste. The sun was setting, and in my mind I could still picture the freed hawk heading into the sun. I hoped she had found a nice patch of forest to spend the night. That's what a red tail likes. A nice tree branch with a clear view of a meadow full of little mice and rats and shrews and voles as they scurry below. That's how we, they, hunt. I headed toward the tall buildings of downtown. I caught a beautiful thermal that billowed up the face of some skyscrapers. A thermal is like a big bubble of warm air. It rises beneath your wings and makes it effortless to just go soaring up and up. I caught the thermal and went shooting up the side of the skyscraper like I was riding an elevator. A lot of the offices were empty, since it was Saturday. But around the 60th floor, I saw an old man looking out the window. Maybe he was some big, important businessman, I don't know. But when he saw me, he smiled. He watched me soar up and away, and I knew he was jealous. I was half a mile up when I finally turned away from the sun and headed toward Rachel's house. The sun was going down. The moon just peeked over the rim of the world. Then, I felt... I don't know how to describe it. It was in the air above me. Huge. Vast. Bigger than any jet. I looked up, but there was nothing there. And yet, I felt it in my heart. I knew it was up there, coming toward me, but perhaps a mile higher than me. I focused all the power of my hawk's eyes on the sky. A ripple. That's what it was. A ripple. Like the ripple you make throwing a stone into a calm pond. The faint twilight stars flickered as it passed by. The sun's light bent. And for just a split second, I was sure I could see 
something. But no, no, it was gone. If it had ever really been there. I tried to follow the hole in the sky, but it was moving too fast. I tried to see which way it was going, and where it had come from. It seemed to be moving away from the mountains and picking up speed. But I lost it over the suburbs as it accelerated away. I flew on to Rachel's house. I watched as she got off the bus far below me. The others, Jake, Marco, and Cassie, were all up in her room, waiting for us. I was not surprised. Hey, Rachel, I said, floating above her. She could only wave up at me. You can hear thought speak when you're human, but you can't make thought speech. I predict Marco's first words will be, Are you insane? I told Rachel. She gave me a little wink. Rachel went in through the front door. I flew in an open window. There we were, all together, the five of us. The Animorphs. The other three must have seen the commercial and were not at all happy. Marco started the conversation. Are you insane? He said. 